All right, praises be to our almighty Yahuwah God for gathering each and every one of us to study again His words and commandments. The topic of our discussion today will be the set-apart names, namely the name of Yahuwah and the name of Yahusha. And we're going to discuss some questions and give answers from the Holy Scriptures. But before we proceed, we ask everyone to please stand for our prayer. Merciful and loving Yahuwah, Yes. Thank you so much for giving us our life. Yes. Father, we know the purpose of why we are here, yes. to praise you, to worship your name. Amen. At last, we know the complete meaning of what that actually means, yes. to worship you in spirit and in truth, yes. to know your name and to declare it. Amen. Lord Yahusha, we pray to you as well. Yes. Be with us in our Bible study. May you send forth your spirit into our hearts. Yes. Give us understanding and insight yes. that we will continue to proclaim the name of our Father. Amen. We believe that you have listened to our prayers. Yes. You will be with us throughout the study of your holy words. Yes. Or we ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for attending our Bible study. It might be a little lengthy. Is that okay? Yeah. But not too long, okay? Because you have a lot of questions. We could not get to all of your questions. So what we're going to do is get some other question and answer time squeezed into our future Bible history project. Is that okay? Yeah? Okay, so let's go ahead and begin by citing the, the book of 1 Corinthians 14.29. What is our responsibility as we listen to the words of our almighty God. This is what it says, two or three who are given God's message should speak while the others are to judge what they say. So you are not to receive without any assessment everything that is preached to you. As people of God, we have the responsibility to judge what is being said. This is why we open the opportunity for all of you. Next slide, please to send us your questions. If you have any questions about your faith, about what you believe in, you can go to questions at churchofchrist1914.com and we will address those questions. What we intend, I mean, the questions also do not have to be about the names. It could be about anything in life except for math, okay? Don't include math in there. But if you have questions about faith, questions about the Bible, about God, you can include those questions and we will discuss them in a portion of our Bible History Project episode. Maybe we'll reserve two questions at a time after we have our Bible History Projects because it is important that we address your doubts, if you have any, that we address your questions concerning our faith. And so I'm so happy that we, members of the Church of Christ, are able to ask intelligent questions and when you look at Facebook, there are those who, well, they kind of mock what we teach and what we say. We are not surprised by this at all because it has been prophesied. Nevertheless, because we know the names of God and the name of His Son, we need to make sure we don't blaspheme their names. Okay? What do we need to do so that we don't end up blaspheming the name of Mashiach or the name of God? Let's read the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and the verses 19. However, the solid foundation of Yahuwah stands firm, having the seal. Yahuwah knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Mashiach turn from 
wickedness. Do you name the name of Mashiach, Yahusha? Do you name the name of God, Yahuwah? Simply by proclaiming the name does not make you holy. This is why the Bible says if you name the name, you need to make sure you live according to that name. Because if we name the name, but we live a wicked way of life, we end up blaspheming the name. This is why even in our discussions on Facebook, we need to be classy, right? Because we represent the name of Yahuwah and the name of His Son, Yahushua. And so what we need to do is to do it not according to wickedness, but according to the teachings of our Father. And what is that? First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But Set apart Yahuwah Allahim when we say Allahim, that is God. Okay, Allahim means God, it's not Elohim, it's Allahim. It, they're both the same word, but in this translation, they translate God as Allahim. But set apart Yahuwah Allahim in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to everyone asking you a reason concerning the expectations that is in you with meekness. And fear, having a good conscience, so that when they speak against you as doers of evil, those who falsely accuse you, accuse your good behavior in Mashiach, shall be ashamed. And so when we respond to questions, when we answer what they have to, the questions that they ask us, we need to do so with meekness and fear. Why? We represent who again? Yahuwah and Yahusha. And so what must we do? Let us be gentle with meekness with our answer, but always have an answer for the hope and the faith that we have. It is unfortunate when you go to Facebook and they're discussing about the name. Have you noticed there are some who are mocking the name? Yes. Yeah. Have you noticed there are some who end up cursing? Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're like cursing against us because we use the name. It's it a bit shocking. What's wrong with knowing the name? What's wrong with loving the name? What's wrong with using the name of the Father and His beloved Son? And then we get reprimanded for that, right? They mock the name. You know, we need to be careful when it comes to mocking the name of the Father. You know why? The book of Exodus 20 verse 7, You do not cast the name of Yahuwah, your Allahim, to ruin. For Yahuwah does not leave the one unpunished who casts his name to ruin. Bible says, do not cast the name of Yahuwah to ruin. And there is a punishment that is accorded by Yahuwah himself when we use his name in vain or when we cast it to ruin. How about if one blasphemes the name? Because unfortunately, we see that happening as well. Not only do they cast the name of Yahuwah in ruin? They even blaspheme that very name. Leviticus 24, 16. And he who blasphemes the name of Yahuwah shall certainly be put to death. And all the assemblies certainly stone him, the stranger as well as the native. When he blasphemes the name, he is put to death. Of course, this happened before or during the times of the Israelites. During our time, we're not going to stone him to death, <laughs> right? I was back then, and we're not going to stone him to death. Nevertheless, we can see the gravity of the sin when you misuse, abuse, and blaspheme the name of Yahuwah. Never mock the name of Yahuwah. Never mock the name of Yahusha. Let this be a warning to all those who were listening to this Bible study. As a matter of fact, 
according to the Holy Scriptures. Why should we be careful when it comes to using insulting words? Because there are those who insult the very name of Yahuwah. This is what the book of Jude says. Chapter 1, verse 9, not even the chief angel, Michael, did this. In his quarrel with the devil, he had a quarrel with the devil, when they argued about who would have the body of Moses, Michael did not dare condemn the devil with insulting words, but said, the Lord rebuke you. The devil did not dare insult the devil. You know, we should not use insulting language or insulting words. If the Bible says this about the devil, what more about the very name of Yahuwah? What more about the very name of Yahusha? This is why I opened this Bible study by declaring this warning. Brethren, if you don't agree with the name, that's fine. But you don't have to mock the name of Yahuwah. You don't have to ridicule the name of Yahusha. Because if you do that, you bring upon yourself the punishment of our almighty God. And we don't want that to happen to you, even if you do mock and ridicule the name of our Father. Okay? I hope this warning is received with grace in your hearts. Okay? This applies to each and every one of us. So let's go to our first question. Next slide, please. Bible teaches that God has many names and not just one name, like El Olia, El Olam, El Elyon, El Shaddai, right? There are names that refer to God. However, those are names of titles and not his personal name. There's a difference between a title like Lord or Elohim or Allahim and the personal name. There's a difference between the title and the name. The title kind of reveals what he is going to do or a character concerning what he does. It describes what God will do. So there are many things by which God is called, like El Shaddai. What does that mean? It means almighty. Okay, so he is called by different names of titles. Just like, for example, the Lord Yahusha. He's also going to be called Emmanuel, right? What does that mean? God is with us. He's also called the branch. However, his personal name is Yahusha. How about the personal name of the Father? Exodus 3, verse 15. And Allahim said further to Musha. <laughs> Guess who Musha is? That's his Hebrew name. Moses. Musha. Thus you are to say to the children of Yisharal. What's Yisharal? Israel. Yahuwah. Allahim of your fathers. The Allahim of Abraham. The Allahim of Yitzhak. And the Allahim of Yakub has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my remembrance to all generations. So when it comes to the one personal name of the Father, it is Yahuwah. It is the Tetragrammaton, next slide, that's found like 7,000 times throughout the Holy Scriptures. This is why that's his name, and it's different from the title that he also bears. It's like, to kind of give you an idea of the difference, let's go to the next slide. This probably better explains it. <laughs> There's this, I want you to take a look at that picture, okay? This person completely misunderstood his headline. Look at the caption in that picture. Identical twins named valedictorian, salutatorian at Scott High School, right? And then look at the, uh, the comment that's circled. Why would you ever name your kids that? Lamau. 
<laughs> I don't even know what Lamau is. I might have to consult an urban dictionary for that one. <laughs> Lamau. Why would you ever name your kids that? Okay. Did you get the misunderstanding here? Right? The actual name of these twins are not valedictorian and salutatorian. They're called that. Why? Because of their achievement. But their personal names or actual names, it's not valedictorian. It's not salutatorian. It's the same thing with the name of the father. His name is Yahuwah. But he also has other titles. Just like Yahushua. He's called the branch. He's called Emmanuel. But his personal name, one only, Yahushua. Yahuwah and Yahushua. I hope you get the... The difference. You get it? Okay. Let's go to the next question. God has many names. Oh, no. This is a conclusion. God has many names of titles, but only one personal name. Let's go to the next question, please. Why did you change the Bible you read by adding the name Yahuwah? Isn't it wrong to add to or subtract from the Bible? Is it wrong to add to or subtract from the Bible? Yes. Yes. It's absolutely wrong. This is why we have to correct what is wrong, right? Look at the book of Zechariah 13, verse 9. This is what I used last week. This is what they were criticizing. It says, Our Yahuwah is my God at the end. You see that? Right? New King James Version. And so when this person looked at his Bible and he read his Bible, what he found was this. Next slide. The Lord is my God. Why does it say Lord instead of Yahuwah? Next slide, please. Because when you encounter in your English Bibles the term L-O-R-D in all caps, what does it refer to? It refers to the Tetragrammaton. And according to the pre pre preface of most English versions, next slide, please, the word Lord, L-O-R-D, is used instead of the actual name of the Father. So what they did to the English versions... The Bible you're probably using is they subtracted the name Yahuwah and added the word L-O-R-D. Is that good or bad? It's bad. You should not add or subtract. So we have to undo what they did. So what did we do? Next slide, please. We mentioned we put back Yahuwah is my God. So we reverse what they did, right? Because you don't want to add or subtract from the Bible. That's why we put the parentheses there to indicate what that we did exactly that which leads us perfectly to the next question next slide uh, since now we know that our Almighty's name is important and how most Bible translations replaces sacred name shouldn't we be using a tetragrammat and sacred name Bibles instead of New King James ESV etc so that when we read the Bible we don't need to change the word LORD as we read the verse particularly during worship services when the verses are shown on screen Every Christian believes it is a sin to add or subtract something from the Bible. So it's confusing and scary to see what the minister makes this, uh, when the minister makes this change spontaneously as he reads the Bible during the sermon. I could not agree more. I absolutely agree. But like what we told you, it's going to be a transition. Okay? This is why we're beginning to use these translations. We were able to obtain various translations of the Bible that contain the sacred names, okay? Like, for example, next slide, please. You can see there, right? It, it, it says Yahusha, 
And it also see it also mentions Yahuwah. Do you see the names? Yahusha, Yahuwah. Look at verse 18. Yahusha, Yahuwah. Yeah, this is the uh, the uh, the Sefer translation of the Bible. Next slide, please. We also have the BYNV translation of the Bible. It also mentions there Yahuwah, Yahusha. Do you see it? Right, so we have that Bible as well. Next slide, please. We also have the Hallelujah scriptures. Next slide. Is that, is that the one? Oh, go back. Yeah. You see, it, this one preserves the Hebrew script, the Paleo Hebrew script. Do you see it? Do you see the Tetragrammaton and also the uh, Hebrew name of Yahusha, Al Mashiach? Yeah. It preserves the actual Hebrew script, it doesn't transliterate. The Hebrew name it keeps it as is. That's also useful as well. One of my favorite translations. Next slide, the Avarim translation. And if you look closer in the Avarim translation, next slide, please. We magnify a little bit. Right, it, it contains both the transliteration and the actual oh. script. Right, so that's kind of nice to have. There's Yahuwah. It shows you the Paleo Hebrew and Yahuwah. Next slide, please, and also Yahusha. You see Yahusha there? Yeah. yeah? Okay. You see Yahuda, that is Judah, right? And you see the Paleo script, the Paleo Hebrew script of Yahusha. And so now we have these Bibles. And so, brethren, from now on, this is what we're going to be using. Okay. We're going to be using these translations when there is a need for us to use the names of God and his beloved son. And so we're going to have additional translations of the Holy Bible. Next slide, please. Let's go to another question. We have always believed that our Almighty has preserved the Bible and continually protects it. Uh, there may be some copying errors or changes in the languages or in the language as language evolves, but God intended His words to benefit not only people of long ago, but also us today, if we trust and believe this, it is, is it not a mistake to get caught up in the linguistic arguments of how to correctly pronounce the Tetragrammaton or our Messiah's name when we ourselves don't have the native Hebrew tongue and rely only on scholars and historical references? I love that question. It's a question of a thinking person, right? And so this person is really, really concerned. Why do we need to, you know, really get into linguistic arguments? We're not scholars. Raise your hand if you're a scholar. I am not a scholar. I am not a Hebrew person. I don't know the Hebrew tongue. And yet we turn to linguistic arguments. Why are linguistic arguments also important when it comes to the study of scriptures? Let's go to the next slide, please. Linguistic arguments of ancient languages, because that's what we use so that we can interpret or better understand the contents of John 1, 1, Acts 20, 28, and Isaiah 43, 5 down to 6, right? For example, John 1, 1. You remember what it says in John 1, 1? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God. And so how do we use linguistic arguments? We look at the Greek. And in the Greek, when you have H-O in front of God, it means God the noun. But if it's missing the H, it means God the adjective. And so when you use this knowledge, then you understand, wait a minute, that word, that term, the word was God, does not mean the word was God himself. Okay, John 1, 1. Acts 20, verse 28. Some translations read, uh, church of God. Others, church of the Lord. Others, church of Christ. 
And so how do we choose which one is best, the best translation? We use linguistic arguments. Isaiah 43.5 to 6. How do we use linguistic arguments for Isaiah 43.5 down to 6? We look at the Misrach and Kedem, right? And what do we find? Misrach, not Kedem, which is far east. We look at Eretz and Katze to determine whether or not it's permissible to use the term ends of the earth to apply to a distant time. So Isaiah 4, 3, 5 to 6 benefit from linguistic research and uh, uh, arguments based on ancient languages. And so we use that as well. However, we must not rely on linguistic arguments. It's not the basis of our faith. We're not going to say, I believe because of this scholar. I believe because of this man who studied Hebrew in uh, Harvard. Okay, that's not our basis. Our basis is not human wisdom. So when we look at research of other people concerning linguistic arguments, what do we need to always do? First Thessalonians 5, 19 to 22. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. What does it say? Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. So we have research. We look at it. We study it. We see what is good. Keep it. What is evil, don't keep it. And so if it's a lie, don't keep it. So we need to test it. How do you test it? What must be the final arbiter when it comes to assessing or determining the value of the research that is out there? Next slide, please. Corinthians 2, verse 13. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So we don't rely on human wisdom. We don't rely on linguistic arguments. We don't rely on human understanding and research. What we need to do is to rely on the Spirit's wisdom. How? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. In other words, we have to check the context of the whole Scripture. And so when we find a discrepancy in one passage, what do we do? We check the other Scriptures. If we have research in Hebrew, a scholar about Hebrew is studying all about Hebrew and the syntax and the grammar. What do we need to do? We need to check the scriptures to compare it so that we make sure we preserve what is indeed true. So next slide, please. So how do we test the linguistic arguments that we use for John 1, 1, Acts 20, 28, Isaiah 4, 3, 5 to 6? Because when we presented these verses, we had references, right? But what was the bottom line? The bottom line was we tested it using biblical arguments. For example, John 1.1, what was the test there? It would be there would be a contradiction in the Bible if the word was God himself. It would, it would appear that God would be with another God, which is a contradiction. Acts 20.28, what did we use to test the linguistic argument? We looked at the next uh, sentence, which was purchased with his blood does god have blood no right and so this this is not the church of god but the church of christ isaiah 43 5 to 6 how did we come to agree with the linguistic argument how did we test that according to the bible we looked at other scriptures we compared spiritual things with spiritual things and we found wait a minute this east also is composed of islands right and so we looked at all the different contexts and we agreed. And so we test linguistic arguments with the Bible. The Bible determines whether or not we will accept it. Okay, so that's the bottom line. 
including, next slide please, when we test the name. This is still the same question because this question is, it contains a lot of uh, things that we need to address, right? Is it not a mistake to get caught up in the linguistic arguments of how to correctly pronounce the tetragrammaton? It depends if it's important or not. Because before, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, I did not think that knowing the name was important. However, when you search the scriptures, is it worth to look at the different arguments concerning the name of God? Is it something God wants us to know? We have to turn to scripture. Next slide, please. Because when you look at the scriptures, it mentions the name so many times. Acknowledge the name, bless the name, confess the name, declare the name, do not despise the name, exalt the name, right? Give thanks to the name, glorify the name, honor the name, love the name, magnify the name, make known the name, mention the name, praise the name, publish the name, remember the name, sacrifice offering to the name, sing to the name, think on the name, trust in the name. We are to do all this. These are commands of our Lord God concerning the name. What say you? Do you think it's important to know? Yeah, not just to pronounce it, but to know the name of Yahuwah. Why is it important to know the name of Yahuwah? Exodus 3, 13, 15. Because the Bible says, this is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. So we started out with this passage. Remember when we started about the name? And we looked at the L-O-R-D and we said it's Yahuwah. And we gave you different reasons why. We looked at the alphabet. We looked at the Hebrew script. And it was very easy because the pronunciation of the letters themselves give you how it's pronounced. Yahuwah. It was not rocket science. It was easy to comprehend. Even my son could look at it and say, oh, yeah, that's Yahuwah. Oh, yeah, that's Yahusha. Right? And so it's very easy to know. It's not in mystery. And so God wants us to know this. And so we looked at it and we tested it. Why are we so confident we will be able to know the name of God? Next slide, please. Isaiah 52, verse 6. But I will reveal my name to my people and they will come to know its power. Then at last they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. What did God say? He said he's going to reveal his name. What does that mean? We should try to find out what that is, right? Isn't that a privilege? I don't know about you. To, to know the name of the Father, how it's pronounced, what it means, that's a privilege and an honor. And to be able to receive a promise like that, that you will know it because he will reveal it. I will do my best to find out what that is, right? And so we did. We figured out it is Yahuwah. However, we must not rely on the alphabet alone. We must not rely on Hebrew research alone because there are many research um, websites out there and they tell you it's Yahuwah, Yahusha, right? But do we rely on the research alone? No, we have to test it with what? The Holy Bible. This is what we did. This is why we looked at scripture in Exodus 3, 14 and 15, right? And we looked at the Hebrew text and God said, I am who I am. And then he says, Yahuwah is my name. So what do we need to do next? Next slide, please. We need to test whether Yahuwah actually means Ahaya, Ashar, Ahaya, right? Because God said, I am who 
I am. Is there a match? And this is what we did in our previous Bible studies. Next slide, please. And what did we find out? We found a perfect match. And so now based upon the Hebrew words that compose Yahuwah, we know what it means. It means I am he who is, who was, who is to come, and who is the cause or source of all that exists. That's the meaning of the name Yahuwah. It matches what the Bible teaches in Exodus 3, 14 and 15. But we still have to test the entire scriptures, whether or not it fits. Let's go ahead and look at the book of Revelation 1.8. I am the Aleph and the Tau. Beginning and end, says Yahuwah, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And so he is the Aleph and the Tau, meaning he's the creator of all things. The beginning and the end. He is also the one who is and who was and who is to come. So check, it matches the name, doesn't it? Right? Next slide, please. Psalms 90 verse 2. This is also the meaning of the name. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world. He is the cause. He is the one who brought all things into existence. The earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting you are God. So he, he is the one who is, who was, and will be. So it, meant, it contains, that is the definition of Yahoo. Oh, this is why the name Yahuwah is so significant. Because just mentioning the name, you know what you do? You praise God. Why? Because of the name and the meaning of the name. What's, what is the meaning of the name? That he is the source of all creation. He is the one who is, who was, and who will be. That's how you honor and praise God. When we declare the name, we are able to praise him. You see that? This is why I think it's very important for us to know and study the name of our Almighty Father. Let's go to the next slide. Question number three from this same person. Not going to mention the name uh, for the sake of confidentiality. It's a pretty long one. Is that okay? You okay still? Yeah. Do you get it so far? All right. The name of our Messiah. Names can and do translate in different languages. For example, John is Jean. <laughs> In French, Juan in Spanish, and Johan in German. Three different sounds, but for those who know him, he himself is the same person. When we are talking about Jesus Christ, uh, we are referring to the child born to Mary in Bethlehem, died on a cross, and rose from the dead. In English, we know him as Jesus. I don't think there is a biblical instruction that we can only refer to our Messiah by his Hebrew name. The argument that Jesus means Hail Zeus is a conspiracy theory that started years ago. It's not a fact in our time. We don't even know who Zeus is, and our Lord Jesus is decidedly not Zeus. If this theory is indeed true, then um, what about non-English rendering, such as Yesus, Indonesia, Yesu, Japan, Ihu, Maori, Maori, none of these could in any way be interpreted as hidden messages to hail Zeus. If we continue to focus on this, aren't we guilty of what Apostle Paul described to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 3-7, that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship uh, from God that is by faith. The aim of our, cha our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Certain persons 
by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. A lot of stuff to discuss there. Let's discuss that one by one. Let's go with the first one. Let's, let's stay here for a while. I don't think there's a biblical instruction that we can only refer to our Messiah by his Hebrew name. Was he given a name? Yes. Was it Hebrew? Yes. Are we to use that name? Yes. Do you think we should use the Hebrew name? I think so. Did he specifically say, only use my name in Hebrew? Did he actually say that? No. However, what can we infer from Scripture? Let's read the book of John, 17, verse 11. What do we need to understand about the name of Mashiach? And I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Kodesh Father, guard them in your name, which you have given me, so that they might be one as we are. So the name of Yahusha is a special name. Why? Because the name that was given to Yahusha contains the name of the Father. It is important to keep the name of the Father in the name of Yahusha. Well, what is that name given by the Father to His Son, which contains His name? Philippians 2 verse 9. Yahuwah, therefore, has highly exalted Him, Yahusha, and given Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Yahusha every knee should bow of those in heaven, and of those on Aretz, that's earth, right? And of those under the Aretz, which means earth. Don't you love these Hebrew words? So you're learning Hebrew, whether you like it or not. You're being forced to learn Hebrew, Aretz. And so according to scriptures, what is that name that was given by the father to his son? It is the name which is above every name. What is the name that is above every name? It's the name of Yahuwah, the name of God. And it's given to his son. This is why it must contain it. This is why his name is what? Yahusha, it must contain the essential name, which is Yahu. That's the essential part of the Tetragrammaton. This is why you can find the term or the name Yahu in the names of God's people throughout the Holy Scripture. So Yahusha contains the name of God, the name that is above every name. And what is the command of Scriptures concerning the name of Yahusha? Let's read the book of Acts 4, 10, and 12. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Yisharal that in the name of Yahusha, Mashiach of Nazareth, whom you impaled, whom Allahim raised from the dead, by him this one stands before you healthy, and there is no deliverance in anyone else, for there is no other name under the heaven given among men by which we need to be delivered. How important is the name? Not only must it contain the name of the Father, the Bible says it is also the name that has been given by which we are saved. No other name under the heaven given among men has been given by which we are saved. This is why this is not an ordinary name. My name's ordinary, right? You can change it if you want. I might get offended. <laughs> I mean, if somebody mispronounces your name, you probably get offended as well, right? And so when we know the true name, the Hebrew name of Yahusha, is it too much to ask to, to use his Hebrew name, to use the name that was given to him by the Father? For me, 
it's not too much to ask. Why? Because it's the most important name by which we can be saved. The name Yahushua. This is why in John 15, 16, what did Christ say concerning the name? You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should endure so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he might give you. This is why when we pray, what do we conclude? How do we conclude our prayers? We ask everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if Jesus is not the actual name, it's something else, then maybe we should use the actual name. Maybe before we didn't know. Now that we know, perhaps we should use, it, use the real name now because we know, right? Why would we go back to something that we know is not his real name? And so when it comes to the sacred name, the set-apart name, I think we should honor it enough that we will use its original usage, which is Yahusha. So we pray in the name of Yahusha. And when it comes to other things concerning the name, how important is it that we use the right name? Let's read the book of Acts 2 verse 38. And Kepha, let's pause there for a while. Who is Kepha? Who's Kepha? Cephas. Who's Cephas? Peter. 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 Kepha said to them, Repent and let each one of you be immersed in the name of Yahusha, Mashiach, for the forgiveness of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh. That's the Holy Spirit. And so, if we're going to use it for baptism, the apostles. They mouthed out the words Yahusha, the originally, the Hebrew name of Mashiach, because after all, he is Hebrew. And when Yahusha was in heaven and he looked at the churches, he had this message to the Philadelphians. Remember the seven churches? Yeah. And so Yahusha gave this praise to the brethren there in Philadelphia. And this is what he said, Revelation 3, verse 8, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. No one is able to shut it, that you have little power. Yet have guarded my word and have not denied my name. We know the real name. Let's not deny it. Let's use it and honor his real name. If judgment day comes and he will say to us, why do you keep using Jesus? And we will say, because I'm used to it. I don't think Yahusha is going to cast you to hell because of that. <laughs> I think he is merciful, right? He's an understanding Messiah. But we must never discount the value, the importance of the name. Because it's the name that is different from ours. It's the name given by who? By God. He planned this name even before Yahusha was born. It was already set. It was already planned. His name. And so that name that was planned long ago during the days of Moses, during the days of the prophets, we should preserve that very name. Okay? Let's not deny it. Let us use it. Let's go to the other part of the question. The top part, the name of our Messiah. Names can and do translate in different languages. For example, John is Jean in French. Juan is Spanish and Johann in German. Okay? So 
what the pers person is talking about is translation of the name. What we want is the transliteration of the name. So it sounds the same as it is in Hebrew. You see, Jesus is not a translation. It's also not a transliteration of the name of Yahusha. This is why it's a problematic name. It's neither a translation and a transliteration. What's the difference between the two? Next slide, please. Translation tells you the meaning of words in another language. The name Jesus doesn't mean what Yahusha means in Hebrew, right? A transliteration uh, doesn't tell you the meaning of the words, but it helps you pronounce them. Transliteration changes the letters from one alphabet or language into the corresponding similar sounding characters of another alphabet. So transliteration preserves how it sounds. And Jesus is not a transliteration of Yahusha. It sounds totally different, doesn't it? Right? And so transliteration, next slide, to give you an idea. Yahuwah, that's the name. That's how it looks like in Hebrew, right? Its transliteration is Yahuwah, Yahusha. That's how it looks like in Hebrew. Its transliteration is Yahusha. The English transliterations there are not translations. They are translations. Literations. Why are the transliterations useful? Because when we sound out the name, we are able to get the meaning of the name because we will have or be able to identify the parts of the name, like Yahuwah. We know it's contained in Yahusha. This is why Yahusha should be used instead of Jesus because in Jesus, the word Yahoo completely gone. <laughs> right? It doesn't sound the same. And in actuality, Jesus came from not Yahusha, but what? Yeshua, which is not Yahusha. Well, what happened? Because when we look at Yahusha's name, it is replete with meaning. But when you go to Jesus, you lose the meaning. That's why we need to use the Hebrew word because Hebrew words is filled with the correct meaning we want to use the correct meaning because the purpose of the name is to provide meaning that's the way god is this is why he changed avrahim abraham abraham to abraham right he likes to change names why because to him names are important if it's important to god it should also be important to us but when it comes to his name what did god decree Jeremiah 44, 26. Therefore, hear the word of Yahuwah, all Yahuda who are dwelling in the land of Mitzrim. See, I have sworn by my great name, says Yahuwah, my name shall no longer be called upon the mouth of any man of Yahuda in all the land of Mitzrim, saying, As Adonai Yahuwah lives. And so what was the punishment of Yahuwah concerning his first people, the people of Yahuda. Yahuwah says, My name shall no longer be called upon the mouth of any man of Yahuda. In other words, God will take away his name, primarily the, the Yahu part. This is part of their punishment. And so if the name was taken, it needs to be what? Restored, right? The Yahu was taken, it needs to be restored. And so after they were punished there in Babylon, what happened? Well, how was this pronouncement of God fulfilled? 
Next slide, please. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 17. And the entire assembly of those who had come back from the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the Yomim of Yeshua, son of Nun, until that Yom, the children of Israel, had not done so. And there was very great rejoicing. Yomim means days, right? So for since the days of Yeshua, son of Nun, until the day of the children of Yisrael had not done so. So here in the book of Nehemiah, he mentions the name of an individual. What does he call him? Yeshua, son of Nun. Nehemiah, when did he begin his work? Before or after the captivity? Before or after? After the captivity. Is it before or after God declared the punishment to take away Zain? It was after. And so what happened after the exile? Here's Nehemiah, a man of God, but because of God's punishment, look what happened to the name of the son of Nun. It became what? Yeshua, son of Nun. Why is that significant? Because when we go back all the way to Numbers, Numbers 13, verse 16, these are the names of the men whom Musha, who's Musha? Moses, sent to spy out the land. And Musha called Husha, the son of Nun, Yahusha. Wait a minute. Nehemiah records his name as Yeshua. But Moses changed his name from Husha to Yahusha. You know who inspired Moses to do that? What do you think? God did. You know why? Because that name Yahusha is prophetic. It is a sign of restoration. Yahusha means Yahu is your deliverer. Yahu is your savior. Yahu is your salvation. That's what it means. So this Yahusha, son of Nun, he'll be an instrument to deliver the people of Israel. Was that fulfilled? Yeah, so he becomes a type of Christ. And so his name will be used for the Son of Man who will deliver his people from sins. Do you see it? What's his name? Yahushua. In Nehemiah's pen, what did it become? Yeshua. This is why so many people in Israel call Jesus Yeshua. That's why every single Jew, if you go to Israel and you ask Jesus' name, they will say Yeshua. This is why so many Hebrew scholars use Yeshua. But they forget this was after the captivity. It wasn't during the days when Moses was changing the name of Husha to Yahusha. Next slide, please. According to scholars, they recognize the full form. The, the yellow name there, that's the name of Yahusha. It's composed of two parts. The name of God, Yahuwah. Right? And also, Yasha, which means to deliver, to save. This was used before the exile. Next slide. However, you see the circled one there? That is Yeshua. Yahusha became Yeshua. Why? Because they want to take away the name of God. They want to take Yahu from his name. That's why when you look at the name, you no longer see the first three letters of Yahuwah. They took out the name Yahu from the name of 
Josh from the name of Yahoo Shell. When did this happen? Next slide, please. According to this uh, research, the Greek form of a list of OT characters who in pre-exilic, okay, before the exile, it was what? Yahusha. The yellow is Yahusha. But after the exile, green, what does it say? Yeshua. Why is it significant? Because there's another Yeshua. After the captivity, there's another Yeshua. Who is that? Next slide. Ezra. Let's, before we begin reading this passage, Ezra, when did he begin his work? Before or after the exile? After. Look what, look what he says. And Yeshua, son of Yotzadak, and his brothers, the priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Shalchel, and his brothers arose and built the altar of Elohim of Yisrael to offer burnt offerings on it. And it is written in the Torah of Mushad, the man of Allahim. And so here's a priest. What's his name? Yeshua, the priest, son of Yot Sadak. When we come across the name Yeshua used after the exile, it should alert us what's its connection with Yahusha. And so it's a good thing we have a prophecy. Yeah. Let's turn to the book of Zechariah 6, 11 down to 13. And you shall take the silver and gold, make a crown, and set it on the head of Yahusha, the son of Yahut Sadak. I want to pause it for a while. Did you see something not seen by a lot of people? What do you see? What do you see? Yes. God's name, Yahoo, is embedded in both of these characters. Go back uh, to the, the previous slide, please. Right? You see that? What does it say there? Yeshua, son of? Yotzadak. Next slide, please. But according to the prophecy, it's Yahud Sadak. Yahusha, not Yeshua. And so what is God prophesying? That he will restore the name of Yahusha. When will he do this? In the name or in the person of the one who is called the branch, who is a high priest, and who is a king. Who is that? None other than the Christ, the Messiah. Right? And so the name Yahusha will be restored when the Son of God is going to be born. And so how was this prophecy fulfilled? Let's read the book of Matthew 1.21. And she shall give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Yahusha, for he shall save his people from their sins. This is why Yahusha is used, not Yeshua. Yeshua does not mean he shall save. Yeshua means he cries out. But Yahusha means he shall save. Or Yahu save, or I am he who is the Savior. This is why Yahusha is the name that we must use, not Yeshua. Jesus comes from Yeshua. But we must use Yahusha because God wants us to know that's the proper name. Why? It's prophetic. It's a name of restoration. What's the proof? Let's go to the next slide. I want you to look at the genealogy of uh, our Lord. Matthew 167. Look at the underlying verse 12. What does it say there? Okay, this is genealogy of Yahusha. 
Before the exile, what names do you see there? Yahushaphat, Uziah, right? Kiskiyahu, Yashayahu, Yekoniah. You see the name Yah and Yahu. But after the exile, look what happens. The name Yahu has been removed. You notice that? It has been removed until the Bible says in verse 16, Yahusha is born and his name is what? Yahusha. So Yahusha not only means that he is the savior of his people, it also is a symbol of restoration because Yeshua has now been restored to what? Yahusha. God has restored his people in the name of Yahusha, not Yeshua, where Jesus comes from. This is why, brethren, it is proper that we use the name Yahusha, not Yeshua, not Jesus. Let's go to question number three again. The last part, if we continue to focus on this, aren't we guilty of what Apostle Paul described to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 3 down to 7. Uh, let's go ahead and look at the passage. Next slide, please. That you, may in, that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations, rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith, the aim of our charge is a love, that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain, Discussion. Certainly, we don't want to do that. We don't want to wander in vain discussion. Desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. So according to Apostle Paul, he said to his servant Timothy, we got to make sure as teachers, we must make sure we don't devote ourselves in myths and endless genealogies. Why? Because as teachers of the law, if we don't understand, we might end up engaging in vain discussions. Now, what are these myths and endless genealogies all about? Let's read the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 14. They must stop listening to Jewish myths and the commands of people. These are human traditions who have turned away from the truth. You see, the Jewish people. After they left captivity from Babylon, they came up with so many myths, genealogies, rules, and regulations about the commands of the Father. For example, in God's command, Yahuwah's command, do not take the name of the Lord God in vain. They added so many rules concerning that name, right? And so they pretend to be teachers of the law. And because they're teachers of the law, they looked at the law of God, the command of God, do not use his name in vain, and they added so many human rules and traditions to that. What else? The teaching concerning Sabbath, right? Do not work on Sabbath. What did the Jewish people do? They came up with so many rules and regulations about what it means to work. This is why on Sabbath day, you cannot even press a button on the elevator, right? And so they came up with all these different rules, all these different myths, and eventually it was codified, and it was called the Talmud. So the Talmud consists of the myths, the different rules, human man-made rules, concerning the interpretation of the law. This is what Apostle Paul was talking about. 
vain discussions about all of the different human rules that the Jewish people who teach the law came up with to interpret the law. Isn't the Lord Jesus, the Lord Yahusha said something about that. The book of Matthew 23, 23. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to, to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So Yahushua, when he looked at the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, what did he see? He saw that they were putting so much attention with man-made rules about tithing. Like what? He, they came up with different, uh, different types of spices that satisfied the requirements of the law of the tithe. Man-made rules. And Yahushua said, you're, you're creating all these man-made rules. You're forgetting the more important things of the law. What are they? Justice, mercy, and Faith. And so when we go back, next slide, to 1 Timothy 1, 3 down to 7, what is the purpose of the law? What is the purpose of the commands? Apostle Paul says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And so what Apostle Paul is telling us, the law of God should be to achieve the purpose of what? Love. This is why Yahushua summarized the Ten Commandments into how many laws? Into how many commands? Just two. Love your God with all of your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because the second part is loving your neighbor. How do you love your neighbor? Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie to them. That's how you, know, that's how you love your neighbor. How do you love your God? The Bible says there, do, do not use his name in vain. Honor him by using his Name. And so the discussion Apostle Paul is speaking about here is not about the name. It's about using man-made doctrines as though they are the law, which was what the Jewish people were known for. That's what he's talking about here. But when it comes to the name, is that a man-made doctrine? No. It is scriptural. It's something that we need to understand and no. Okay, let's go to the next question, please. Okay, uh, this is Tagalog. Uh, okay, oo nga po eh. Hindi po talaga original yung discovery niya. His, his discovery is not really original. Nauna, uh, nauna na, nauna na po yung ibang religions sa nag-aral ng Yahuwa at Yahusha. Sabi nga ni Ka, mayroong binanggit na pangalan, cross it up, turo daw yan ng Jehovah's Witnesses at ng Seventh-day Adventists at ng iba pang Protestant sects. And then they cite the uh, Yahuwah Kingdom, which is a website. Okay? Everyone, and it's related to the Yahuwah Kingdom, everyone please investigate further about this new revelation from Ka John Dizan. That's me. <laughs> I came across this other religion, yahuwakingdom.com. They are teaching the exact same thing as Kajan is revealing, as to restore God's true name. Could it be that Kajan copied their doctrine and made it his own? Okay. Um, well, it says here, uh, 
hindi talaga original. So this person is saying, well, you are, you're teaching Yahuwah and Yahusha, but you're not the person who originally came up with those names. I never said that. Right? Yes, I'm not. I am not the person who discovered the name Yahuwah and Yahusha. I never claimed that. And the only reason why we bring this up now is because of the prophecy. Because of the command of the Father. What is that? Whom does God command? Whom does God expect? Will also proclaim the name. Let's go to the book of Isaiah, 59 verse 19. And they shall fear the name of Yahuwah from the West. Who is this prophecy about? It's about us. What does God expect from us? That we will fear His name. What name? The name of Yahuwah. What else? Isaiah 24, 15 and 16. Is this about us? Yeah. Wherefore, glorify ye Yahuwah and the fires, even the name of Yahuwah Elohai of Yasharel in the isles of the sea. This is about us. And what is the command of Yahuwah? That we glorify him even the name of Yahuwah. What else? Zechariah 13 verse 9. And I shall bring the third into fire and refine him as silver is refined and tried him as gold is tried. They shall call on my name. And I shall answer them. I shall say, this is my people. While they say, Yahuwah is my Elohim. Who, who is this prophecy about? The third group. Who is that? Isn't that us? The third group that came from the far east, islands of the sea, 1914. The Bible says there's going to be a fire. But the one that survives that fire, what will they do? They will call on the name. It even specified what name. What does it say? Yahuwah is my Elohim. Yahuwah is my God. So I taught about the name Yahuwah and Yahusha, not to tell you I discovered it, but to fulfill what God wants us to do according to prophecy, which is to declare it and to call upon the name. Okay? That's why. And so let's go to their other question about it. Could it be that John copied their doctrine and made it his own? Well, I don't think I copied it. In fact, you can go ahead and check out uh, Yahuwah Kingdom and compare it with the teaching in our lesson, right? Yahuwah, Yahusha, you can look at our lessons. Is, is it accessible, our lesson, the, the, the videos, our Bible studies? You can access it. Compare it. See if we came up with the same things, okay? Do we uh, use these other research materials? Yeah. Are they helpful? Yeah. Do we agree? Yeah. Do we, do we agree with everything? No. Does it mean that because we use uh, some of the research that we are belonging to the religion now? Because that's the allegation. Oh, Kajan has become a member of that church, that religion. I don't even know who they are. <laughs> I agree with some of their stuff, but not all of it. Right? There's a big difference there. It's like, for example, next slide, please. Remember this prophecy? 1755, the earthquake in Lisbon, the events in the sixth seal that we preach. Remember that? The moon becoming blood. Remember that? The great earthquake in Lisbon, the falling stars. You know where that came from? Ellen White, Seventh-day Adventist. What else? Next slide. How about this one? How about Vicarus Philidae? About 666. Where did that come from? Huh? Who first was the one to teach it? 
Ellen G. White, Seventh-day Adventist. Well, how about this person? Next slide. John Thomas. You know him? He established a movement called the, Crystal, the, Crystal, the Christadelphians back when? 1848, way before 1914, right? What was one of their doctrines which was so controversial? Next slide. They believe that Jesus is a man, not God. And when you look at the reasoning, it's exactly ours. Wait a minute. Does that mean we belong to the Christadelphians? Does that mean we belong to the Seventh-day Adventists? No, we simply agree with what they have revealed because it is also backed up by Scripture. Next slide. Who invented the name Jesus? You know who? Who invented the name Jesus? Next slide. The inventor name Jesus was first seen in print in the second printing of the King James Version in the 17th century. The King James Version is a, a Catholic translation. Yeah. So does it mean because you're using the name Jesus that you are no a member of the Catholic Church? No. The logic doesn't make any sense. Right? This is why, yes, we use some of the material other researchers are putting out there. But when it comes to doctrine, our faith remains revealed by what? Scriptures. Scripture-based doctrines. This is why, like what we showed you, we tested using what? The Bible. And it, because it carried the name. Okay? Next slide, please. All right. Somebody's sharing. Uh, someone is sharing this. Yahusha. It says, there are no such words in Hebrew as Yahuwah and Yahusha. They are fake. Made in America. At least not made in China. <laughs> Lettering replacements and substitutes for valid and legitimate Hebrew word forms. Even if you, Yahuwah to be translated over into Hebrew, it results into a very blasphemous representation and is demeaning and insulting to Jews or any other Hebrew-speaking tongues. Hebrew names have character definitions, meanings to them. And so according to this person, the name Yahuwah and Yahusha is fake and that it is made up, it was only made in America. Is that true? No, no, no. Next slide, please. This is the Tetragrammaton, Yahuwah. It's found in so many manuscripts, 7,000 times, and so it's not made up. Next slide. And because it, it was given to us in that form, we can derive the pronunciation. It's not that hard. You just look at the letters. Every letter can be sounded out. That's why you don't need vowels. As a matter of fact, you can even consider that the name of Yahuwah is a name that's composed of four vowels. You can think of it that you can think of it that way, and so it's Yahuwah. Well, how about the name of Yahusha? Next slide. It's also there. There it is. You see it. The Yod, the Hey, the Vav, the Shin, the Ayin, Yahusha. Do we know how to pronounce it? Yes. Next slide. It's not that hard because it also has the letters, which produces a sound. Yahoo. Sure. And so did we invent it in America? No. It's found in ancient manuscripts. It's found in the, the Bible when it was still in ancient manuscript form. And so we did not invent it. It is original. Next slide, please. And so let's go back 
go to the next part. It says Hebrew names have character definitions. And when we look at the definitions of the name Yahuwah and Yahusha, it becomes blasphemous. Is that true? <laughs> no. Next slide, please. Yahuwah, we showed you, is composed of Haya, Hu, and Hawa, which, when you put it together, means I am he who is, who was, who is to come, and who is the cause or source of all that exists. Is that blasphemous? Does it have a meaning? Yeah, it has a beautiful meaning. How about Yahusha? Yeah, it, it's composed of the word Yahu, which we know is the name of the Father, and Shia, Yasha, which means saves, Savior, deliver. And so Yahusha means Yahu saves. Yahu is our deliverer. Yahu is our Savior. Or when he finally came, when he was born, the Yahu part became I am he. I am he who is your Savior. And so you have Yahusha and Yahuwah. When you break it down into parts, the etymology of the name, it makes sense. It is biblical. That's why it doesn't make sense what that person who put that together is trying to, to, uh, to tell us. And so I wondered, next slide, it, no, it, I'm, I'm shocked, but, but then again, not that shocked, because when you look at the source, what does it say? Urban Dictionary. So when you want to know what Lamao, Lamao means, then you go to the Urban Dictionary. And so I took some time to go to the Urban Dictionary. Next slide. And I was wondering what Jesus means. And I would not even dare put on the screen what it put, put out because it's too blasphemous. That is your source, Urban Dictionary? Putting out crazy stuff? Maybe you can look at it tonight. I'm not going to even dare show it here because it's that blasphemous. Okay? And that's the source. We got to be careful, brethren, of... Uh, the things that we put out there. Next slide, please. Uh, so did Christ pray to God, calling him Yahuwah? Okay, well, let's go to the, before, this is a two-part question. Let's go with the first part first. So did Christ pray to God, calling him Yahuwah? Well, the Lord uh, Yahusha, he prayed a long time, right? Now, there's no written record of Yahusha praying, and he called out Yahuwah. Okay, but does it mean that he did not pray using his name? It doesn't mean that because he often prayed alone <laughs> by himself for a long, long time. Okay, in public, he often used Father. Does it mean he never used Yahuwah? He did. Next slide, please. Matthew 4, 4 down to 10. But he answering said, it, was, it has been written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of Yahuwah. He was defending himself against who? The devil. And so he used the name of Yahuwah how many times? Three times. He said, from the mouth, uh, man must live, men shall not live by, the, by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of Yahuwah. He also said, you shall not try Yahuwah our Allahim. He also said, you shall worship Yahuwah your Allahim, and him alone you shall serve. And so he used the name of Yahuwah. When it comes to prayer, did he instruct us to use the name Yahuwah? Yes. What's the proof? Next slide, please. Matthew 6. Let's go to the next one. Matthew 6, 9 to 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, may your holy name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we forgive the wrongs the others have done to us. Do not bring us to hard testing, but keep us safe from the evil one. We know this passage, right? Because when we, were, when we ask, okay, how do you pray? 
This is what we were taught. This is like an outline of what to include in the prayer. So when you pray, you include all these things. Number one, you introduce, you, you call him who? Father. Do we do that when we pray? Yeah, we call God our Father. But look at the other parts, right? Give us today the, what we need. So in our prayer, we include the part where we ask God for the things that we need. We also ask God for forgiveness. We also ask God to keep us safe. So these are all parts of the prayer. And if you still remember, in the part of the prayer, Yahusha says, our Father in heaven, may your holy name be honored. So what is a significant part of the prayer that we make to Yahuwah? We have to honor his name. Do you know that you can honor the name of Yahuwah simply by pronouncing it? Simply by mouthing the name of Yahuwah, you honor him. You know why? Because of what it means. Before, when we did not know the name of the Father, what do we say? We praise your name. You are God who created all things, right? You're the God who is compassionate. You are the God who existed forever. Before, when we did the part of honoring God in our prayer, we did all those things. Now, just by mentioning the name, Yahuwah, we honor him. Because then when you mouth the words Yahuwah, what does it mean? Next slide. It means this, Revelation 1.8. It also means this. Next slide. Psalms 90 verse. Too. And so when we call on him and call him Yahuwah, we do the part of honoring him when we pray to him. Okay? And so when people tell you, did uh, Yahusha tell us to use the name Yahuwah? Yes, because his name is Yahuwah, and we are to honor his name. Next slide, please. Let's go to the bottom part of that question. Saan nakasulat sa life story ni Lord Jesus Christ na nag-discuss siya sa apostles na Okay, kau Peter, tawagin mong Yahuwah si God, yan ang ituro mo pag wala na ako. Meron bang ganong incident sa New Testament? Okay, so the person is asking, uh, where can we find in the life story of Yahusha wherein he discussed with his apostles, namely Peter, right? Speaking to Peter. Okay, Peter, uh, call God Yahuwah and, and teach this when I'm gone. Uh, is there something like this in the New Testament? What is your answer? Yes. yes! Do you want to see it? Yeah. Because before we can answer that, there has to be, I mean, Yahushua has to go to heaven. Peter has to be teaching Yahuwah is God. Did that actually happen? Let's go ahead. The book of Acts, chapter 1, 8 to 11. But you shall receive power when the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Yerushalim. And in all Yehuda and Shamarun, and to the end of the Aretz. <laughs> and having said this, while they were looking on, he was taken up, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And as they were gazing into the sky as he went up, see, two men stood by them dressed in white. Also said, Man of Galil, that's Galilee, why do you stand looking up into the sky? This same Yahusha who was taken up from you into the sky, shall come in the same way you saw him go into the sky. So did Yahushua leave at this time? Yeah. But before he left, what did he say? He said, you shall receive what? Power. What kind of power? 
power of Ruach HaKodesh, the power of God's Spirit. Do you know why Yahusha said that? That before you go witnessing, before you go tell people about me, wait first for the power of the Ruach HaKodesh to come upon you. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Why did Yahusha say that? Right before he left. Let's read the book of John 16, 13, 15. When, however, the Spirit comes, who reveals the truth about God, he will lead you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but he will speak of what he hears and will tell you of things to come. He will give me glory because he will take what I say and tell it to you. All that my Father has is mine. That is why I said that the Spirit will take what I give him and tell it to you. Why is it important for the Spirit to be received? Because that's how Yahusha, who is in heaven, will be able to tell us what we need to reveal. This is why he said to the apostles, before you leave, you make sure you receive first the Spirit. Because even though Yahusha is up there, they can still teach what Yahusha wants us to know, right? Through the Spirit of the truth. And so when did that happen? Let's read the book of Acts 2, 1 down to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, all the believers were gathered together in one place. Suddenly, there was a noise from the sky which sounded like a strong wind blowing, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. When they saw what looked like tongues of fire which spread out and touched each person there, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to talk in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. When did that happen? The Spirit coming down on the day of Pentecost. After they received the Spirit, who was the first one to preach? Who was the first one to speak? Who was the first one to instruct? The people of God. Let's read the book of uh, Acts 2, 14 and 16. Then Peter. This is why sapul na sapul yung tanong. Then Peter stood up with the other 11 apostles and in a loud voice began to speak to the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, listen to me and let me do what this means. And let me tell you what this means. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Instead, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. So when the Spirit came down, who was the one to first speak, to preach? Peter. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. What did he say? We read 14 and 16. Let's read verse 21. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of Yahuwah shall be delivered. So did Apostle Peter preach to the people about calling on the name of Yahuwah after Yahusha went to heaven? Yeah. Yes! It's right there in the book of Acts. Truth is, it wasn't just Apostle Peter. Even Apostle Paul. Take a look. Romans 10, 8 down to 13. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of belief which we are proclaiming, that if you admit with your mouth, Adonai Yahusha, and believe in your heart that Yahuwah has raised him from the dead, you shall be delivered. For with the heart one believes to obedience, and one professes with the mouth, and so is delivered. Because the scripture says, whoever puts his trust in him shall not be put to shame, because there is no distinction between Yahudi and Greek. There is no distinction between Jewish and Greek, or Gentile. For the same Adonai, Adonai, of all is rich to all those calling upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of Yahuwah shall be delivered. Did Apostle Paul preach to call on the name of Yahuwah? Yes. Did Apostle Peter do the same thing? Yes. As a matter of fact, he was the first one to do that. 
This is why if we go back to the question, sa nakasulat sa life story ni Lord Jesus Christ, sa nag-discuss siya, sa apostles na, oy ikaw Peter, tawagin mong Yahuwa si God, yan ang ituro mo pag wala na ako, meron bang ganong incident sa New Testament? Now you know the answer. Yes! And it wasn't just Apostle Peter, it was also who? Apostle Paul. But even more important, it's not just Peter and Paul. God himself. You know what he says? You know what God himself says? The book of Zechariah 13 verse 9, And I shall bring the third into fire, and refine him as silver is refined, and tried him as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I shall answer them. I shall say, this is my people, while they say, Yahuwah is my Alahim. Brothers and sisters, do you believe in this prophecy? Do you believe you're the third, the third group? Yes. You belong to the third group? If you believe you belong to the third group, we can see what God wants. What does God want? Yes. Call on my name. God says. Not just Peter. Not just Paul. God himself says, call on my name. What name is that? Yahuwah. Oh, you heard to say, Yahuwah is my Allahim. Yahuwah is my God. This is why, brethren, yes, yes, and yes to the question that was posed. Let's go to the next one. Sorry, brethren, we have a few more. Hang in there. Uh, even the Lord Jesus Christ himself simply called God the Father. That's true. That's pretty much generic. Pero alam uh, naman ng Kristo na nagsasalita at ang Diyos na kausap ng Kristo kung sino ang tinutukoy na Father na dinadalangin na ng, ng Kristo. In other words, the Savior himself did not make so much fuzz about God's name. It wasn't that big a deal. I don't know. I think it's a big deal also to Yahusha. What's the proof? Next slide. John 17 verse 6. This is Yahusha praying to the Father. He says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me. I will and, de and will declare it to them. So he will manifest and declare the name of the Father. This he mentioned in prayer. It must be important. Because it says, I have manifested. What does the word manifest mean? Next slide. Let's go to the Greek. Right? That's the manifest word there. G5319. What is the definition? Next slide. Make manifest. Appear. Or it comes from paneros to render apparent, obvious. And if you go to the English meaning of, of manifest, next slide, it means to make evident or certain by showing or displaying. Why was there a need for Yahusha to manifest the name? Why was there a need for Yahusha to make evident, to make clear the name of Yahuwah? Well, let's go to the next slide. This is what happened after the exile. Because of the utmost sanctity ascribed to the name, Jews from post-exilic times on have declined to pronounce it in public reading. And only the consonants were written. Y-H-W-H, the Dead Sea Scrolls use the archaic Paleo-Hebrew script. In modern usage, pious Jews often substitute the expression Hasem, the name. And so after the exile, they stop using the name of Yahuwah. And so there was a need for Yahusha to make it clear to them. As a matter of fact, if you use the name, just pronounce the name of Yahuwah, while you are being tried in court, 
you are going to be stoned to death. You know who was stoned to death because he used the name of Yahuwah? Stephen. Stephen was stoned to death because he pronounced the name of Yahuwah three times. And the Sanhedrin had to close their ears like this, and they stoned him because of that. But Yahusha made known the name Yahuwah to the followers of his, his, his uh, disciples. And why are we sure he did this? Hebrews 2, 11 and 12. Because Apostle Paul confirmed it. We, we discussed Hebrews 2, 11 and 12. He's not ashamed to call us his brothers. What did he say he will do? I will announce your name to my brothers in the midst of the assembly. So he manifested. He proclaimed. He announced the name to each one of us. And so what further proves that the disciples of Yahusha knew the name of Yahuwah? Luke 19, 37, 40. And as he was coming near, already at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the entire crowds of the Talmidim. Let's pause there. What's Talmidim? The word Talmidim. What does that mean? It's kind of nice to have these foreign words because it makes you attentive, right? What's Talmidim? It simply means disciples. Disciples of Mashiach. Talmidim, okay? And so he was coming near already at the descent of the Mount of Olives. The entire crowds of the Talmudim began to praise Allahim, rejoicing with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who is coming in the name of Yahuwah. They said that out loud. Peace in heaven and esteem in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your Talmidim, the name was spoken, but he, Yahusha, answered, said to them, I say to you that if these shall be silent about pronouncing the name, the stones would cry out. That's amazing. Here, the, the Talmidim, the disciples of Yahusha, when he was entering the Mount of Olives, they shouted, they shouted the name of Yahuwah, who was bothered by that, the Pharisees. Because they did not want his name to be pronounced. And so what did Yahusha say to the Pharisees? I say to you that if these shall be silent, because the Pharisees wanted to silence them from using the name. Yahusha said, I say to you that if these shall be silent, the stones would cry out. And did the stones, did, did they cry out? Next slide. Yeah. We probably would not know about the Tetragrammaton unless these stones were found that contained the Paleo-Hebrew name. What else? Next slide. Remember this one? Next slide. It contains the name of Yahuwah. The stones indeed have cried out. Just like what Yahusha said. Not only did Yahusha say that, what also did he add concerning the name of Yahuwah? Next slide, please. Matthew 23, 37, 39. Yerushalim, Yerushalim. Killing the prophets and stoning those who were sent to her. How often I wish to gather your children together. The way a hen gathers her chickens under her wings. But you would not. See, your house is left to you laid waste. For I say to you from now on, you shall by no means see me. Until you say, blessed is he who is coming in the name of Yahuwah. Here's Yahusha. He's saying, 
to the people of Jerusalem. I will not come back until you say, blessed is he who is coming in the name of Yahuwah. The name Yahuwah is a big deal to Yahusha, to Yahuwah in the Talmudim. This is why when we, next slide, say it wasn't that big a deal, that is wrong. As a matter of fact, if you say the name of the Father is not important, next slide, Exodus 20, verse 7, you do not cast the name of Yahuwah, your Allahim, to ruin, for Yahuwah does not leave the one unpunished who casts his name to ruin. If we don't want to use the name, don't use it, but never say it's not important. He had it written 7,000 times. He had all these verses about his name. And for us to say it's not important, brethren, never say that. If you don't want to use it, don't use it. But don't say it's not important. It's important to him. It is. And it should be important to us. And we should worship that name. Okay? Let's go to the next argument. We're almost... As to the name of Christ, I have an argument against Ka John's teaching that is the accurate name of Christ is Yahusha. Okay, granting for the sake of, our, of argument that the Yahusha is an accurate Paleo-Hebrew transliteration of the name of the Savior. The question is, when Christ was born, was the prevailing Jewish language during his time Paleo-Hebrew or Aramaic? Diba Aramaic na yung Jewish tongue? That's a language the Israelites and Jews have acquired from captivity conquest by other nations. Naging obsolete na ang Paleo-Hebrew nung ipinanganak ang Kristo. So how can Kajan say na Yahusha ang true name ni Christ? Granting that Yahusha's, Yahusha is a correct spelling pronunciation in Paleo-Hebrew. Fair question. Is it true that when Yahusha was born, the primary language was not Paleo-Hebrew? That it was Aramaic? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we can say that the, the Paleo-Hebrew uh, was no longer being used during that time. But is it, why do we believe the name that was given to him is Yahusha? Let's read. We're just going to read one passage for this one. Matthew 1, 20, 21. But while he thought about this, see, a messenger of Yahuwah appeared to him in a dream. Let's pause it for a while. Who is that messenger? Who is that messenger? An angel, right? An angel from where? Not from the Far East, but from who? From, from, from heaven, okay? An angel appeared to him in a dream saying, Yusuf, son of Daud, who is Daud? David. Did not be afraid to take Miriam, that's Mary, as your Asha, for that, Ashawa, Asha, for that which is in her, was begat from the Ruach HaKodesh. And she shall give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Yahusha, for he shall save his people from their sins. If there was no angel, probably his name would be Yeshua. Why? Because it wasn't restored. She was right. Aramaic contained influences from the Babylonian captivity. And so Paleo-Hebrew became obsolete during that time. But the name Yahusha is never obsolete. The name Yahusha is the restoration work of the Father. This is why he made sure he, they get the name right. To make sure to get the name right, what did God do? He sent an angel to get it right. 
Yahusha. Why? Because that contains the name, the meaning of what he is to do. He is the savior of his people, saving them from their sins. This is why Yahusha, not Yeshua, the Aramaic term for it. But Yahusha is the proper name because it is the name of prophecy. It is the name that is restored by our Almighty Father. Next slide, please. Um, this is our, our last one. Oh. Are you still okay? Yes. You want to take a break? No. All right. Nobhang mahalaga sa isang tunay na Iglesia ni Cristo ang pumanatag sa pagkahirang at lubos na magtiwala sa pagsusugo ng Diyos sa mga huling araw. Itakwil natin ang anumang araw na hindi itinuro ng sugo ng Diyos. In, in English, it is critically important to a true member of the Church of Christ to remain firm and to fully trust in God's work of sending a messenger in these last days. Let us reject any teaching that was never taught by the messenger of God. This is uh, what is uh, expressed by many people today. They cannot accept the name of the Father. They cannot accept the name of the Son. Because they say it was never taught by the Sugo. And if it was not taught by the Sugo, they said, let us reject any teaching that was never taught by the messenger of God. And so that will be a problem for some. Why? The very small remnant prophecy. Very small remnant. Isaiah 1.8-9. Was that taught by the Sugo? No. no. Was that taught by Cardi? No. no. Do you believe it? Why? Because it was taught by Isaiah. <laughs> Do you get it? It's in the Bible. Because it's in the Bible, should we believe it? Yes. Because if you're going to say, I don't believe that teaching because it was not taught by Kaurdi, not taught by the Sugo, I should not believe it. Then we're saying that the Bible is not important. We're saying what's more important is what the Sugo says, not the Bible. Right? That's what we're saying. But brethren, do you know what the Sugo himself said? The Sugo. Next slide. This is what he said. I really love this quote. Huwag kayong maniwala kay Manalo kailanman ang mga salitang aking tinuturo sa inyo ay hindi sa akin, kundi binabasa ko lamang ang mga salita ng Diyos na nakasulat sa Biblia. And he raises the Bible. Dito lamang kayo, maniwala, mga kapatid. Ito lamang ang inyong sampalatayanan. In English, don't ever believe in Manalo. You know, that's an instruction from the Sugo himself. The ministers who are here, who are listening with this, to this program right now, this is what the Sugo said. Do not believe in Manalo. The words that I teach you are not mine. I merely read the words of God that are written in the Holy Scriptures. Afterwards, he will raise the Bible and say, believe in this only, brethren. Place your faith only in this, in the Bible. Do you accept this? Oh, I do. Yes. 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 I love this about the Sugo. Because he knows the Bible contains the word of God. You know when the Sugo was alive? He would always direct people to who? God. He would always direct people to who? Yahusha. He would always direct people to who? The Bible. Away from himself. Did you notice that? Away from himself. Go to Yahuwah, Yahusha, to the Bible. Not himself. 
Why did the Sugo do that? Let's read the book of Matthew 23, 8 to 10. This is Yahusha. He says, you must not be called teacher because you are all equal and have only one teacher. You must not call anyone here on earth father because you have only the one father in heaven. Nor should you be called leader because your one and only leader is Messiah. Why would the messenger say, do not believe me? Believe what the Bible says. Never ever believe me. Because if you were to believe him, he would become teacher. And he knows the Bible says there's only one teacher. Who is that? The Messiah. The Messiah. Yeah, and so if we're going to say, I'm only going to believe what is taught by the Sugo, then we are making the Sugo equal to the Messiah. That would be blasphemy. This is why, brethren, if you believe in what the Sugo said, then we must believe the Bible. Even parts of the Bible not taught by the Sugo. Why? Because it's the Bible. Right? Why is that important? What do we need? How can our one teacher teach us when our one teacher is in heaven? Next slide, please. What do we need? 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. What do we need? So that our Mashiach can teach us from heaven. We need the scriptures. What parts of scriptures? Just the New Testament? All scriptures. Not just the New Testament. All of it. Why? Because all was given by inspiration of God. If we will say we will only accept the teachings in the scriptures that was taught by the Sugo, and we will not believe the scriptures that was not taught by the Sugo, then what have we done? We have subtracted. We have taken away from scripture. And the Bible says if you add or take away what's going to happen to us, we will not be saved. The Bible says we're going to be punished. You must not add to or we must not add or subtract from Scripture. There was one minister who actually called me and said, we must not add to or subtract from the teachings of Brother Felix Faimanalo. <laughs> and I said to myself, wow, wow. That's not what the Sugo said. The Sugo said, don't believe me, believe the Bible. We must not add to or subtract from what the Bible teaches. That's the biblical truth, right? So we have the Scriptures. Do we have the Scriptures? Yes. What else do we need? John 16, 13 to 15, we need the Spirit. Because the Spirit is used by Yahusha from heaven to guide us when we study the Scriptures. We need both. We need the Scriptures. We need the Spirit. Brethren, do we have both? Yes. Why do we believe we have the Spirit as well? In the book of Acts 2, 17 to 20. And it shall, and it shall be in the last Yomim, says Allahim. What does that mean, the last Yomim? Yomim means days says Allahim. What does Allahim mean? God. But I shall pour out my Ruach on all flesh. It's a promise that we will receive the Spirit in the last days. And what will we come to know and do because of that? 21. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of Yahuwah shall be delivered. Brothers and sisters, do you know why the Sugo always directed us to, Yahu, to God, 
his son, and the scriptures? Because the sugo knows one day he'll pass. One day Ka'erdi will pass. But God, his son, and the word of God will never pass. That's why he directed us to the word of God. The spirit of God. To Yahushua, our Messiah. Because they will always remain. Because till this very day, who is the one guiding us? Yahushua, through the power of his. Do you believe that? Do you believe that promise? Brethren, there are people today who don't believe that promise. But we must believe that promise. The Father says he will send out his spirit to all of us. You, you, all of us, whether you're female or male, we will receive that spirit. So ask it from him, but he will reveal that to you. You know, brethren, if I may, I, I, I don't mean to offend anyone, okay? But I'm going to ask you the following question. If Brother Mark Manalo, Brother Angel Manalo, were to come to this pulpit and teach that the name of God is Yahuwah, and teach that the name of the Son of God is Yahusha. Would you believe it? Yes. I want you to be honest with yourself, because there are people here who will only believe what the Bible says when it is being taught by Amanalo. If we're being honest with ourselves. And that reveals our trust. It's not yet with who? Yahuwah. Not yet with Yahusha. Not yet with the Bible. Brethren, that's idolatry. We love Brother Felix Y. Manalo. We love Brother Iranio Manalo. We are thankful to God because of what they have done, being the instruments of God. But brethren, do not place your trust and hope in a man. This is why the Sugo says, don't ever believe me. Believe what? The Bible. Believe in the work of God through His Spirit. Because that is what will save us. But of course, there are many people who will reject what we just said. And we should not be surprised. Before we pray, brethren, we're almost done. I just really want to show you. Next slide, please. The Matthew 10 pattern for warning and hope. Okay? Really fast. Because Matthew 10, Yahusha says something. And it's happening right now. You want to see it? Yes. <laughs> Matthew 10, verse 16. See, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. What is a wolf according to biblical prophecy? Who are likened to wolves. They are corrupt leaders of the people of Israel. The rulers of the nation of Israel. They are called wolves by the Holy Scriptures. And so the Bible is telling us the sheep who belong to the flock. They're going to be torn apart by wolves. Who are wolves? They're the ones who use their power and authority to destroy, to take advantage, to oppress. Has that happened? Yes. Yeah, it happened before. It's happening now. Right? What else? Matthew 10. We're just going to stay in Matthew 10, okay? But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given you in that hour. When you are to say, for it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you. You know, during our time, we don't have the sugo. We don't have karate. But the word, Yahushua says, 
the Father can still speak through you by means of what? Is that happening now? Yes. What else? Matthew 10, 21. And brother shall deliver up brother to death, and the father his child, and children shall rise up against parents and shall put them to death. What will those who are wolves, those who oppress their people to control them by means of fear, what will he do? They will force family members to fight each other, to report one another. They will create division in the homes. Is this happening? Yes. It's happening. What else? Next slide. Matthew 10, 23. When you are persecuted in one town, feed to the next. I tell you the truth, the Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. This is happening. Are we being persecuted? Left and right, right? What else? Matthew 10 still. Students are to be like their teacher and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons. What is a, what is a demon? A fallen angel. The members of my household, who are they? The brothers and sisters of Yahusha. How are they brothers and sisters of Yahusha? They know the name of Yahuwah, right? The Bible says members of my household will be called by even worse names. Is that true? Yeah. What else? Matthew 10, 26, 27. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be. Have we done that? Have we uncovered or revealed something that has been covered? What has been covered for the longest time? Huh? What has been covered for the longest time? The true name of Yahuwah. The true name of Yahusha. The Bible says, for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed. And when you reveal it, you're going to be threatened. Is that happening? And all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. This is why we're preaching the name. All that has been covered, it will be revealed. Not only shall it be revealed, it shall be proclaimed. And this is what we are doing now. Has this happened? Yes. Next slide. Matthew 10, 28, 29. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul, for you fear only God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. Do some of us get threats? Physical threats? Yeah. We get physical threats. Has this happened? Yeah. What else? Matthew 10, 32, 33. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Have we done this? When we said our executive minister or chief shepherd is Yahusha, we announced publicly we belong to him. We were ridiculed for that, weren't we not? When we announced his name and we embraced that name, That was fulfilled, wasn't it not? And he has a promise. I will also acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. There's one more thing that is happening now that was prophesied. That happened before, it's happening now. The last passage of our studies, Matthew 10, 22. What does Yahushua say? You will be hated. 
my all because of my name. But it is the one who endure to the end who will be saved. When we read this passage before, it wasn't rich with this much meaning before, right? Yes. Now it's so full of meaning and so full of hope. This is why Matthew 10 is a pattern, not just a forewarning, but also hope. How do you feel, brethren, when people mock you and call you bad names because you preach and call on the name of Yahuwah and Yahusha? At first you feel terrible, but when you read this, you have this unspeakable joy. Let him come. Let it come. Because we are being one with Yahusha HaMashiach. And he says, if you endure, you are going to be Say, have you noticed? Ever since we proclaimed the name of Yahuwah and Yahusha, how many new enemies we've made. We're not surprised because Yahusha himself says, you're going to be hated by what? All. Those who we thought were on our side, they spoke against us. Don't be surprised. It's part of the prophecy. Yahusha has said to us, you will be hated by all because of my name. And because of the name of Yahuwah. So brethren, rejoice. Every time you're persecuted, rejoice. Say to our loving Yahuwah, thank you. And to Yahusha, our Messiah, thank you. Say to him, thank you, because you counted me worthy to suffer for your name. And I will do it again and again and again. If it means to honor, to honor the one who died for me. I will mouth those words, Yahusha, for so long as I have breath in my lungs. I will never deny him. I will never deny my Savior who died for me. Brethren, you may bring, you may receive a lot of suffering along the way, but it's worth it if it's for the name of our Yahusha HaMashiach. Praises be Yahuwah for giving us his message. Proclaim it, believe it, have faith, have faith and worship the name of our Father and the name of his Son. Let us stand and we shall pray. Everlasting Yahuwah. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for revealing to us your name. It only means you have fulfilled your promise that you will reveal it. We are not worthy at all to pronounce your sacred name. But we know you want each one of us to magnify it, to exalt it, to call you by that name. Thank you so much. We praise your name, Yahuwah. And we will do so for as long as we have life. Our Lord, Yahusha, we knew all along, before we embarked on this journey, we know that this was going to happen. Yes. We will be persecuted and hated because of your name. Yes. So be it, Lord. Yes. We will continue to do that. Yes. Be by our side. Yes. That is the only thing that matters to us. Yes. 
that you approve of us, what you think of us, because we place our faith and hope in you. We know that when you come back, you will remember our names as well. We never denied you. We have publicly acknowledged you, including your precious name. The name given to you by our Father. We declare it now with all of our hearts. We will follow you always, no matter what happens to us. Because we know what it means. It is precious to you. It is also precious to us. Father, remember our loved ones. Help us all to live according to your name. That we will not blaspheme your name. Teach us to live according to righteousness, yes. obedient to all of your commands. Uh, Gracious be unto you, Father, yes. for all the work that you have done. Yes. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha. Amen. Amen.